warning. What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I am Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to Weird and Feared, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. She was born in 1851. All right. Her name was Kate. But those who knew her dearly called her Kitty, and she was loved by the entire community of Appleton, Wisconsin. Wait. Okay. Yeah? I was thinking of the... <laughs> I was thinking of something else, but yeah. Oh, okay. C- continue. Okay. Sure. Yeah. My yes. bad. Okay. Uh-huh. She was the first to be born to the area and born into a very influential family. Her father, Henry, a Methodist volunteer, helped lay out the plots to form the town and was chairman of Grand Chute, which is a town now within the greater Appleton area. A lot of local towns together, you know. Because mm-hmm. of this, some consider her the, quote, first daughter of Appleton, end quote. I mean, back then, this was the West, after all. Wisconsin had only been a state since 1848. Many things were still new to the town that was originally founded as three villages, which of, and of those original villages were centered around the fur trade. Now, Kitty would go on to marry George Miller, a newspaper editor, and the couple would go on to have a daughter of their own. Again, Kate was beloved by her community which would make what she would go on to become even more shocking to them. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Just, um... I got into it a little. Any just brief thoughts as we're beginning this this journey? She's a witch. I'm just going to jump right to that. After perfecting the dark arts and becoming a full-fledged witch, (laughs) she would end up murdering both her husband and her daughter with an axe. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. When she died, she was buried outside the main Riverside Cemetery in Appleton. As further punishment for what she had done, because of course she couldn't remain amongst the normal people. Normies. Yeah. So, full-on witch, axe murderer. Axe murderer. All right. Just going for it. Axe murdering witch. That's what she was. That's what she became. Or rather, that's what the legend states. A legend that just so happens to be completely and irrefutably false. Oh, That was quite a ride, wasn't it? Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Well, you see, some legends, they're all in the name. When Kate died, and we'll get into how she died in a moment, but uh, when Kate died... Her tombstone was engraved. It bore her maiden name. Her maiden name was Blood. Her name Uh was Kate Blood. That's rough. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, see, Blood might have been a common English surname during the mid-1800s in this area of Wisconsin. I mean, there wasn't that many people around. But not so much in the air. Well, there was people around, actually. There was a lot of people yeah. that called us their home, and they lived there for mm-hmm. thousands of years. There were not many white people living in this area, and those that did, of course, Blood was a common surname. Okay. But not so much in the area of Appleton these days. And by these days, I mean a relative-ish modern world. So not, like, let's just say 1920s and beyond modern. But even that's, I mean, you know, recent, not hundreds of years ago. Let's say past 70, within a lifetime maybe, 80 years, you Mm -hmm. know? Okay. So... Seeing a tombstone, these people, seeing a tombstone secluded away from the main cemetery with blood written across as well. I mean, that kind of inspires people. Yeah. Gets the creative juices going. They really do get going. I mean, we've talked about things with blood in their name before. I can just point out to Blood Point Road. I mean, blood makes everybody's everybody's imaginations run wild. Blood makes Mm -hmm. people make up stories about reappearing and vanishing barns. I mean... I mean... That might happen. People people like to have a lot of fun. No, sure, that's actually probably the truest part of that. Barns that reappear and disappear at will. It's a barn. Ah, mm-hmm. it's gone. <laughs> I mean, blood makes people turn a beloved 26-year-old mother into an axe-murdering witch. Huh. Mm-hmm. So how did the community feel about Kate when she passed? How did she pass? Well, let's pay her, since we're talking about her, let's pay her tribute and read her obituary, which we do have, which was oh, okay. a sizable length for the time. It was considered, I mean, it's not super long, but it was considered, like, I'm not going to sit here and read it to you for the next eight hours, but it was, like, longer right. than, like, a news story. Like, they put, like, it's got some words to it. Huh. So let me pull this pull this up here, and we'll learn a little about Kate and how the people felt about her. As she, after she had passed away. Before she murdered uh, anybody. <laughs> yes, well, yes. Yes, before the, before that was what was, what was circulating. So a sorrowful bereavement, sorrowful bereavement, demise of Mrs. George M. Miller. It's, of course, her husband. Again comes the summons that carries grief and sadness into the very heart of our community. One beloved and esteemed by a very large circle of relatives and friends. One whom we have known from birth, through lovely girlhood, to maternity, and now to death, has soared away from all the endearing ties of home, family, and society. To the beautiful land where sorrow is not known. On the 29th at Lawrence, excuse me, on the 29th at Lawrence, Kansas, whither she had paused among relatives and friends on her way to Colorado to seek relief from that dread disease, consumption. Uh-huh. Mrs. Katie Blood Miller, wife of George M. Miller of the Appleton Post and daughter of Colonel Henry L. Blood of this city entered into rest aged about 26 years. Mrs. Miller had been fading away for a few months only and none could believe that her departure was so nigh at hand. She was of a sweet and 
amiable disposition, and in all the endearing relations of wife, mother, daughter, and friend, few will be so much missed from society here. She leaves a daughter of about two years of age. The husband, father, and relatives have our earnest sympathy and the sympathy of almost an entire community in their great bereavement. A telegram states that the remains of the deceased will arrive on the Saturday night's train. The funeral will take place at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon, but whether at the residence or church is undetermined as we go to press. So, Katie's, uh, it's Kitty's obituary. Now, people speculated that her tombstone was off the beaten path because she was an axe-wielding witch and ashamed in the community was ashamed of her. But the actual reason was that Kate's tombstone was secluded from the rest of the cemetery was because it was one of the first to be put in Riverside Cemetery. Because Riverside Cemetery, again, where she's buried, it wasn't very old at this time. Not, mm -hmm. not many of these settlements were very old at this time. But it was given first dibs, see, because where it is, it overlooks the Fox River. So it's got a good okay. view. So mm -hmm. this, this showed how much her friends and family truly cared about her. The exact opposite reason future generations would assume, in the version of her life where she was, again, an axe-murdering witch. Mm -hmm. Now, Kitty, by all accounts, was a wonderful woman. But what if the belief in the other Kate... The axe-wielding, child-killer, husband-destroying witch was so strong that it forced her grave to become something more. What if huh. ghost hunters, the curious, non-believers, etc. have turned her gravestone into a beacon to another world? And what if? Just if all this concentrated energy and focus on this story was able to manifest into something truly wicked at her burial site. Huh. Because what if Kate's tombstone had become a doorway? Because Kate was a good person. She died of consumption. Yeah. Uh -huh. There was no murdering, no trauma. I mean, dying from tuberculosis is, of course, traumatic and not great. Yeah. So that could uh -huh. cause, you know, a soul to be perhaps tethered to this world. But this story, you know, kind of runs rampant about this cemetery and this gravestone. Many people have reported feeling temperature drops and also claimed that Kate's tombstone was warm to the touch. Okay. If you touch it, it feels warm. Not exactly what a tombstone should be doing. No. People have also reported that they have seen apparitions there as well. It auto-corrected to aspirations, which is funny, but totally different. Not the same. Nope. Oh, man, that was... Very different. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Look at all these aspirations, all these things people hope to achieve in this tombstone where this woman <laughs> had died, and we tell stories about her being a murderer. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. But most, but perhaps most chilling, are stories of the stone running red with blood. And then as people reach toward the blood. Why are they reaching for it? Because they're crazy. I don't know, man. Oh, there's blood. Let's touch it. <laughs> I mean, if anything's, if this year's taught me anything, it's that people are fucking stupid. Oh, the tombstone's bleeding. Let's stick my fingers in it. <laughs> okay. If that's what you want to do. 
I mean, but, what if you get hepatitis? Oh, <laughs> shoot. Now I've got hepatitis. <laughs> Do you know why you got hepatitis, sir? Like, we tested you positive. I touched the bloody tombstone. He did what? I know. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. Check off the box on my medical report that says I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, you've got hepatitis C and you're testing positive for being an idiot. Mm-hmm. But as they go to touch the blood, perhaps they would not get the hep C because it would Hopefully feel not. dry. It would not be blood. It would just Good. be dry. Or... And I don't address it in this episode at all. But I was eating dinner. And I was hoping, like, oh, maybe I can find like a kind of some like short YouTube video or a documentary. Well, if you want to go to YouTube and watch people just film this tombstone and like barely talk about it, there's many videos where that happens. It's very riveting. <laughs> so people I, I just put cameras on it and then nothing happens and post it to YouTube. I mean, basically, or they they point it and like I was hoping to get more out of the like you know because sometimes these things have like little documentaries even if they're older or something. Because, I mean, it's a, yeah. it is a story, but like we discussed the Clutie last week, mm-hmm. it's a story, kind of interesting. I mean, the Clutie is more, you know, empowering and impressive than perhaps this ghost story, but mm-hmm. still, you know, like there's not, I guess there's not too much, there's not as much depth, at least as far as that goes. So like, it's just okay. kind of, you know what I mean? So like when they get on the YouTube, yeah. it's like... She might have been a witch, or she just lived a good life. Like, what, man? What are you... Thanks. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Kate's husband, George, would remarry and live another 42 years after her death. And him and his second wife would be buried in the same plot again when they would die of old age, natural causes. Mm -hmm. So that would obviously contradict... And, like, the tombstone, like, George's name is on it and stuff. So, like, that clearly contradicts the fact that she killed her husband, who lived 42 years longer than she did. Yep, I would say that proves that she did not kill him. Um, so that's that's kind of where that story begins and ends. It's like, well, she didn't kill her husband because he lived longer than her. The end. So why? <laughs> okay. All right. So like I said, his second wife and him would be buried in the same plot. Now, random message board posts from 2008 have a copied version of Kate Blood's Wikipedia page that no longer exists. It's not there. Huh, Type Kate, Kate Blood in the Wikipedia. You get nothing or a bunch of weird redirects. Okay. Now, it states a version of the myth where Kate ate three children. Whoa. Killed her husband and committed suicide. Now, it's telling that the Tuttlebottoms monster still has a Wikipedia page, and Kate's no longer exists. Although, That's weird. Wikipedia Commons is where I found her obituary. So Wikipedia has the snippet of her obituary, but the actual article I, does not seem to exist. So at some point, somebody was like, this is bullshit, man. This is not a... It's on the tombstone. It's right there. She didn't do this. Mm-hmm. But I would have thought there'd be like a little mention of just like the legend of this. Well, right. Speaking of random message board posts 
from 12 years ago. Let's go to unexplainedmysteries.com. Now, have you ever this this doesn't really apply to the story either, but have you have you watched Blade Runner 2049? I have not. I've been wanting to. I recently watched it and it's a good time. It is like 3 hours long, so just kind of hang in there. But mm-hmm. it's a good one. Um so I won't they basically, you know how replicants don't actually have like human names. They mm-hmm. you know, like serial numbers or whatever. So yeah. I'm going to hope this that this man is not a replicant because his username is DJK0320. Fine. Maybe he's a robot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyways, this was a fun little write-up he did of visiting the gravesite. On July 4th this year, my brother, my nephew, my nephew's friend, and I decided to go to Peabody Park because supposedly a witch named Kate Blood that ate children was buried deep in the forest. No, I don't know. It's Riverside, I thought. But anyways, we're just going to keep going. Because supposedly a witch named Kate Blood that ate children was buried deep in the forest about 1.5 miles in. When we got to the old gate, I felt a shiver down my spine as we went in. Well, on the way, we noticed there were no bugs buzzing around, which was odd because the Fox River lies right next to it, and bugs usually populate near the water. Have you been outside by a river before? Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my brother was the leader because he had the flashlight. Interesting. I mean, that makes him the leader, yeah. It, It does make sense. But it's like it is like, you know, being anointed, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I am the leader. I possess the flashlight. It was it was bes- I wield the flashlight. It was bestowed upon me by a great light god, and therefore I am the leader. Okay. Yep. Well makes sense. Yeah. He shined it forward, and then we saw what looked like a woman in a white gown walk into the woods. There is a gravel trail that leads all the way to the graveyard that gets thinner the deeper you go. Also, it was unusually quiet there. Not an animal around, no crickets, no wind. And it was 11 p.m. As we were walking in, my brother told us all about how he came here in the day and saw the witch's grave and said it was like a 100 yards away from any other grave, which was odd. Whenever we would stop walking so we could hear, we heard someone's feet skid on the gravel. But the weird thing was, my brother had the light pointed at all our feet to make sure no one was being goofy. Well, like kicking rocks or something. Yeah, like, hey, what are you doing? Is that is are you being goofy or is that a witch? I often ask my friends that question. Hey, man, you being goofy or is that a witch? Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's an honest. It's an honest inquiry. Mm-hmm. Well, we decided to head out, and we didn't see to the grave. But on the way out, yeah, we didn't see the grave because you went there at night. I just we decided to head out, but we didn't get to see the grave. But on the way out in the woods, we heard a hiss, followed by a sinister laugh. We gunned it out of there, and I still get chills when I go near there. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't copy the entire comment thread because we don't need to do that, but it's a, it's a lot of people like telling him, were you being followed by a predator? Was there like a big cat chasing you? Maybe it was an like there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff, and this guy's like, nah, man, it was weird, and it just it's back and forth. Like this is funny <laughs> human interactions, you know, that from 2008 yeah. about them basically saying like, guy, you just went into the woods and got scared. A lot of people were asking, like, are you paranoid? Maybe you're paranoid. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe, yeah. but maybe like, maybe. They have a, yeah, they dogpiled this guy, our poor DJK0320. Mm-hmm. Were they Blade Runners out to get this replicant? 
I don't know. Anyways. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. But uh, then someone, Sabrina, had another post. And this was posted in 2010. I went to the grave of Cape Blood last night. I could, I could see someone or something moving behind the stone. But then I couldn't see it anymore. It ended up on my right side where other people saw it too. I did notice that there were no bugs or animals by us. And it was completely silent with no wind. In the middle of June, next to the river, it was hard to believe that there were absolutely no bugs. Again, the bug thing. I find this noticeable. It was also Mm -hmm. extremely hot. It was about 60-some degrees in the graveyard last night, but somehow we were all sweating from the heat. I'd have to say that it's the weirdest place I've been in my life. I mean, that is kind of weird. It does seem weird. Typically at 60 degrees, you're not going to be sweating. No, that is unusual. Especially Sounds in, pleasantly at comfortable to me. Yeah, 60 degrees would be cool. But if you walk over, and then it's just it's just freaking hot. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And there's no bugs by the river? There's no river bugs? I mean, that sounds delightful then. Yeah, so like, yeah, who wants, let's have I a... I mean, pick. if it's 60 degrees, there's not going to be money bugs out. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what? I don't know, man. I don't know about this river. But it seems like a nice place to have a picnic because no bugs. It sure does. It's nice. Sounds like a nice, nice campfire mm-hmm. weather. Exactly. Have a little bonfire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just. Just near the witch's grave. Yeah. Just start a fire near the witch's grave. Like, yeah. We're just <laughs> yeah. hanging out, cooking marsh, making s'mores by the witch's it grave. It seemed nice. It seemed I, appropriate. <laughs> she's a fan. The tombstone wasn't getting that bloody. No one tried to touch and get Hep C. We're fine. Yeah. yeah it's all good. Leave us alone. This is, of course, a conversation with an officer. Officer, it's fine. We're by the river. It's fine. Yeah. There's no bugs out. No. It's perfect. Riverside Cemetery seems to be a different type of cemetery with a different vibe than others. Or what you may traditionally consider a cemetery vibe. I mean, what would you consider to be a cemetery vibe? I don't know. Creepy or like not supposed to be there or something you don't... Some place you don't really hang out for very long. I mean, I don't think I've ever been in a cemetery at night. I will not confirm or deny that situation. I've definitely never I mean, been to any cemetery at night. I mean, I don't think I have. I've been at, you know what, I'm, I've been at one at night only because I was there around dusk and it got dark. And I was like, ah, we probably should leave now. Yeah, well. Because then... Then you're then they're out to get you. Ghosts, I mean, ghost just, cops. I don't know. I'm just saying they're out to get you after that. They, uh, I mean, they tend to be quiet. I would say though, because I mean, there's typically not like trees for like animals to be in or anything. You right. Because there's just headstones everywhere. Yeah. And this one, I mean, this one is the cool thing about all those random YouTube videos I got to watch was like, there's a lot of cool. I mean, we this is this is a pinpoint because there's a lot of cool trails. Like it's a and this is kind of what I'm about to get into. It's kind of an interweaving. It's like a. It's like a. It's like almost like an. It's like an adventure. Like it's. A, it's a weird old type. It's old, and there's all these paths and things and places you can go. And I guess it is kind of hard without directions to find this tombstone. Like it's not you just don't walk in and like oh there it is. It's like kind of hard to get to. Huh. Yeah, because you could almost consider the area more welcoming. Now from Riverside Cemetery Appleton dot com. Their history section, a little bit about the cemetery. Appleton's first cemetery was laid out in 1850 in the northwest half of what is now the, pre, the post-Crescent block, just south of the railroad tracks. 
It didn't take long for a citizenry to come to the conclusion that this location in downtown Appleton was inappropriate for a city cemetery as the soil was poor and there was little room for expansion. It got crowded real fast. Within a short time, this ground fell into disrepair and became more suited as pastured land for stray cows than a sacred place for burials. Joseph E. Harriman, judge and Appleton leader, is given credit for promoting and founding Riverside Cemetery in 1870. And, as we, from earlier, um, Kate Kitty died in, like, 1875. In 1872, the city set aside 20 acres of land on the Fox River for cemetery purpose. If the newly formed Appleton Cemetery Association would take charge. Captain N.M. Edwards designed the original layout, and Dennis Meadham, lumberman and florist, became the first manager of grounds. On November 25, 1872, the body of Reverend T.W. Orbison, pioneer and Methodist minister, was first to be interred at the new cemetery. Now, many more pioneers of Appleton and Otagami County would follow the Reverend to their final rest at Riverside, including John F. Johnson, first white settler in the city. So a lot of people are being buried here. In 1877, the Cemetery Association began operating Riverside Greenhouse, which was then located in the cemetery just south for the Grand Army of the Republic burial plot and managed by Mr. Meadham. In 1905... Oh, go ahead. The Grand Army of the Republic? Yeah, burial plot. Yeah. So, like, that's the the military plot? The clones? The clones? (laughs) Star Wars? (laughs) (laughs) The clones! Oh, my God. The clones. Yeah, they started burying clones there. (laughs) They needed a place to put them. They had 20 acres. And they... I mean... They had to go somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that so. took a twist. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I saw your eyes. <laughs> then I wait like, oh, oh. <laughs> huh. And this took place in a galaxy far, far away. Weird. A long time ago. It, yeah. That's Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> in Wisconsin. They put the clones in Wisconsin. Oh, huh. They've served us well. All right, now they rest in the land of cheese. Yeah. So the clones were buried, and then in 1905, a new building for the greenhouse was built at the present location. It was noted in Appleton newspapers that all bodies were moved to Riverside from the old cemetery by 1884. However, little fun fact for you, a little fun science fact, bones were, still being, bones were still being dug up at the old site as late as the 1930s. So once in a while, you oh, so maybe they forgot a few people. Yeah, maybe you didn't get everybody. The newspapers, there's your, there's some fake news. We got them all out for the next twenty years. Oh, we found a guy's leg again. Found his. You guys just removed the headstones. You didn't do anything. Yeah, you just, yeah, move the headstones. Call it a day. Call it a day. Let the cows <laughs> kind of chew about. And then every once in a while, and then whenever they found somebody, like oh, oh, we must have forgot one. Oh, we forgot another one. How many did you forget, that guys? Sucks. Did you forget them all? Did you intentionally leave them there? Digging's hard. I don't know. Well, Riverside has been described in multiple ways since its conception, including, quote, Appleton's most beautiful cemetery and, quote, Appleton's silent city. In its early years, it was also referred to as, quote, Appleton's popular resort. Oh. Since it was considered a place for the living 
and the dead. So, like, they wanted it to be a place where you hung out. It's by the river. It's in the forest. Hmm. The trails look nice from those random YouTube videos I watched. Yeah. Now, commonly, one could see hundreds of people picnicking on Sundays. Maybe picnic and maybe have a fire by the witch. The alleged witch. Why not? I mean, that's a cool idea to me. I like that. I, I like that plan. Again, mm -hmm. stick a little little pin in the map I don't have. Mm-hmm. It's only like three and some hours away. I looked that up. Yeah, I've been there. Well, have you? Been to App Appleton? Yeah. Badass. Been to Appleton. Yeah, I got some friends there. Nice. Very cool. I wonder if they know about this how, about this alleged witch in the Me cemetery. Me too. I'll, I'll have to ask them. Badass. But yeah, I mean, hundreds of people picnicking on Sundays amongst the stones and the high bluff overlooking the fox, where a view up and down the river presented itself. The road beneath the cemetery proper, running along the river, was vernacularly known as Lover's Lane. Oh, you know what happens uh -oh. with Lover's Lanes. Yeah, oh, hello. Some heated debating. Some heated debating. As, as we like to call it. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of um a lot of ideas were being exchanged during this mm -hmm. heated debate. Mm hmm As is often the case. In uh, nineteen ten, yeah. the stone entrance to Riverside was erected. This impressive door to the cemetery includes a chapel, office space, and winter storage for bodies, used at a time when winter burials were not possible. It has been a long-standing tradition that on Memorial Day, parade bands and spectators march down Pacific Street through the Riverside Archway to the Grand Army of the Republic plot. <laughs> I'm not going to not think that I know. every time. You're not. I know. It's just where everyone you know, saluted the Republic and it just had... For like, the Republic! There, is there like a Republic march? They have a theme, don't they? Does the Republic have a theme? I mean, probably. Yeah, I don't know it's what. Not, I, in not my as, yeah, in my head, I don't know. Not what as it easily like. distinguished as the Imperial March. No, yeah, right. That's a little more. That's a little more intense. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, this was to participate in a ceremony honoring military dead. You know, from that big war they fought. The against Grand the separatists. Army of the Republic against the separatists. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Granted, they yeah probably would. Take a while because after that it pretty much became an empire. So when were we celebrating Republic? That took a while. Yeah. In 1988, a freestanding garden mausoleum was built to the north of the main entrance, offering above-ground crypts for traditional burials and niches for cremains. Riverside encompasses about 90 private just, acres of land. Yeah, did you just, say cremains? That's what it says. So like the cremains. That's I guess that's what that's called, right? The Cremated, I mean, I guess. The I've never heard remains. it called that. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's straight from there, so I can't... Yeah. Cremains. I mean, cremain, huh. cremain does sound like somebody who fought in the Separatist army. Uh, a cremain, some kind of alien species, but no, it's just someone's ashes. Yeah. It encompasses about 90 private acres of land, dotted by the plethora of tree varieties, spreading their branches over the dead and grieving. I walk through the grounds, reveals stately... Family mausoleums and monuments as uniquely different as the individuals buried at their feet. Gravestones rise from the ground in multiple shapes and size, made of a variety of granite and marble, lending character and charm to the grounds. Interestingly, a historic study of neighborhood communities in comparison with Riverside burials reveals that it is not unusual to find those who are neighbors in life remain so in death. 
Hmm. So that's Riverside Cemetery. Kind of neat. Kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Pin in that. Um, but I. But what I want to do, I want to draw us back to the idea that people's thought energy could create a being from scratch. What if okay. the constant retelling of the morbid Kate Blood story, which of course contradicts with who she was in real life, and the constant visitors, her grave warrants, and the random gossiping about the legend of the internet are able to actually give life to this fictional axe-wielding witch. Now, this is where things are going to get a little weird. Well, okay. now while I think it would be great to be a demonologist, I am not a theologian, and I do not know a significant amount about Buddhism. That's my disclaimer. Things are gonna things things are gonna get a little weird here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I don't have enough info myself to help you with that. But but so just but but what if Kate Blood, the scary murderous Kate Blood, the child eating, axe wielding, husband killing witch that people thought was just a cool idea to invent because her tombstone said blood. Mm-hmm. And her full name was, was it Marsha? I think it was Kate Marsha, like blood, but she was Miller. I don't know why they chose to put her maiden name on that tombstone. Maybe because she died young, but she was still his wife. I don't know. I don't understand that. But that's what happened. So mm-hmm. what if Kate Blood, the scary, murderous, evil individual that people have created in their minds, could come to life as a thought form or a tulpa? Mm, interesting. Yeah? You know about them tulpas? Hell yeah, right? I do a little bit. All right. Yep. Likewise, a little bit. I was just a little bit. What mm-hmm. if she has been brought to life by people's belief in her story? Now, I said things are going to get a little weird. This is the part where my quaint little retelling of a graveyard ghost story exploded in an entirely unexpected direction. Because mm-hmm. it turns out the idea of thought forms are making a resurgence in our modern world. Well, I suppose resurgence is a little strong, but let's just say resurgence. And I had no idea. There is, in fact, well, I mean, you'll never guess. Well, maybe you might guess where this road took me. But first, I, I know of a few places it could take you. Yeah, maybe. I don't know anything with the internet. <laughs> yep. Okay, so we good. You'll you'll have some. You can yeah. I will accept okay. all these thoughts when we get to that point. But it also, okay. it, it took me to a topic we often get excited about, but always tend to forget exists, and one day, it's going to have its own episode, guaranteed. What haven't we talked about, what haven't we talked about in a while that we always come back to somehow? Uh, There's a few things. But Illinois? <laughs> well, Illinois, right, yeah, Illinois. I mean, we'll always come back uh, to good old What Illinois. else do we always come back to? That's right, you'll know as soon as I say it, you'll be like, oh, of course we do. Now, from the Wikipedia yeah. page on Tulpas, let's just let's just go wild. Let's just get crazy. Twentieth century yeah. theosophists. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Theosophy, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why? Okay. Back to Theosophy. Back to Theosophy, which, according to Helena Blavatsky, 
to those not familiar creator with, of theosophy creator of theosophy right to those not familiar with our theosophy ramblings of the past theosophy teaches that there is an ancient and secretive brotherhood of spiritual adepts known as the masters who although found across the world are centered in tibet these masters are alleged by blavatsky to have cultivated great wisdom and supernatural powers and theosophists believe that it was they who initiated the modern theos- theosophical movement through disseminating their teachings via Blavatsky. They believe that these masters are attempting to revive knowledge of an ancient religion once found across the world and which will again come to eclipse the existing world religions. Again, that is theosophy. And isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep, you nailed it. I forgot about it, and then I didn't. Then you're like, oh, of course. <laughs> Back yep. to it. Okay. Anyways... Theosophists adapted the concepts of emanation bod into the concepts of tulpa and thought form. The term thought form is used as early as 1927 in Evans Wentz's translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Again, we're getting weird here, and we're talking about things that I did not spend a week going over. So, here we go. John, because I, I mean, the Theosophy episode is coming. Is it coming soon? Because I was just reminded of Theosophy when I was putting this together. So maybe I've been reinvigorated in my Theosophy. Yeah, we still need to get those books. Yeah, I mean, fuck, become a demonologist, bring back Theosophy. Add it to the list, right? Yeah, add it to the list. Theosophy books. The Weird and Feared Library. It's growing. Yeah. Slowly. Yeah, it is. Why are then like Amazon's like, why are all these guys buying Theosophy books all of a sudden? What is going on? It's 2020, baby. All bets are off. Now I'm a theosophist. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah, but the concepts of tulpa and thought form, yeah, they got that, again, Benton Book of the Dead. John Miriam Reynolds, in a note to his English translation of the life story of Garab, see, there's things I don't know what they are. I admit to this. I don't know what that is. It's all right. But this book defines a tulpa as an emanation or a manifestation. Spiritualist Alexandra David Neal claimed to have observed these mystical practices in 20th century Tibet. She described tulpas as, quote, magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought. Uh, David Neal believed that tulpas could develop a mind of its own. Quote, once the tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself from its maker's control. This say Tibetan occultists, happens nearly mechanically, just as the child, when his body is completed and able to live apart, leaves its mother's womb, end quote. She claimed to have recreated, or she claimed to have created such a tulpa in the image of a jolly, friar-tuck-like monk, which later developed a life of its own and had to be destroyed. What do I want to learn more about? What do I want to learn more about? How to destroy thought forms? How to destroy thought forms? Yes. No, you took it. That's better. I was gonna say how did how? Yes. What did? What made? Why did this thing have to be destroyed? What was it doing? But no, I don't know. I suppose we all should know how to destroy a thought form in case we encounter one. You know who I can guarantee has tried to figure out how to do that? Who? The CIA has probably tried to do that. Oh my god! How do we obliterate thought forms? Thoughts. We need to know. Yeah. How do we destroy thoughts? Are people making thought for? Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, because yeah, you can't destroy an idea, right? That's the thing. I'm pretty, right. They probably tried to figure out how to do that. How do we get rid of thought forms? If we can destroy thought, we can destroy thought forms. And if we can destroy thought forms, 
we can implant our own thought forms and give right. Yeah. Well, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. That's a whole. Yeah, but see, that's that's what they were wondering about. But all it was was probably a bunker somewhere where they all did LSD. Just microdose each other just, with LSD, and nobody happened? knew who was. It's like, it's like, yep. I don't know. Did we make? Did we create or destroy thought forms? Meanwhile, they they created a bunch of thought forms and just like like opened the bunker and left. Like, <laughs> we're gonna get out of here, guys. You guys are fucking <laughs> minds. Later. Yeah, see you later. Peace out, dude. But to destroy thought forms. What? David Neal raised the possibility that her experience was illusory. Yeah? That's how you pronounce that word. Looks weird. Illusory? Yeah. Yeah. That's the word. Quote, I may have created my own hallucination. Quote, though she said others could see the thought (laughs) forms that she created. Well, then it's not a fucking hallucination. Are you, what are you seeing? Anyways... More on thought forms, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Thought form of the music of Gaonad, according to Annie Besant and C.W. Ledbetter, in Thought Forms, 1901. Well, that's a book. Put that to the list. What? Okay. okay. You want to read yep. a book about thought forms from the turn of the century? The last century? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The Western occult understanding of the concept of thought form is believed by some to have originated as an interpretation of the Tibetan concept of topa. The concept is related to the Western philosophy and practice of magic. Occultist William Walker Atkinson. Oh, by the way, there was like a lot of red flags in this Wikipedia. Like they're like citing this, citing like, okay, I'm sure. I bet there's a lot of Mm -hmm. questions with this article, but we're going to plow through it anyways. Uh, Occultist William Walker Atkinson in his book, The Human Aura, Describe thought forms as simple, ethereal, 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 fuck me, man. (laughs) Uh Ethereal, that's what I'm sticking with. Objects emanating from the auras surrounding people, generating from their thoughts and feelings. He further elaborated in Clairvoyance and Occult Powers, that's capitalized, could be a book, have experienced, well, how experienced practitioners of the occult can produce thought forms from their auras that serve as astral projections, which may or may not look like the person who is projecting them, or as illusions that can only be seen by those with, quote, awakened astral senses. Do you want to awaken your astral senses? Like, open my third eye? Yeah, man. I mean... I wouldn't. That could be cool. That's yeah. That's there's ways to do that. There's people have ways to do that. The uh, Theosophist Annie Besson, in her book Thought Forms, it's a great title for a book. Just Thought Forms divides them into three classes: forms in the shape of the person who creates them, forms that resemble objects or people, and may become and sold by nature spirits or by the dead, and forms that represent inherent qualities from the astral or mental planes such as emotions. So, lots of ways you can make thought forms. All right, so what do you want to tell me about thought forms? And the internet got me, because the concept of the topo was popularized and secularized in the Western world through fiction, gaining popularity on television in the late 1900s and 2000s, and then from 2000 onwards, online communities. What do you have to tell me about? What do you? What can you dive into here about these thought forms on the internet? I mean, it's very simple. What I know about That's these things, fine. please, because um, it's basically people trying to make imaginary friends. Yes. And bang them. Yes. That's. It, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
That is that, that seems to be the modern equivalent of a tulpa. That is the crux of the issue. So imagine being brought to life and then being a sex slave to this random basement dweller. What the? Yeah. Mm. What? Yeah. Well, I told you things are about to get real weird. Okay, we're going there. And dedicated to tulpas spawned on the 4chan and Reddit websites. It's mentioned in the fucking Wikipedia yep. article. And mm-hmm. we're about to get real weird and creepy. Almost don't even want to talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. These communities collectively refer to themselves as tulpamancers. Great. You know, one of the Tulpa more files. One of one of the more popular mancers, the tulpamancers. And offer guides and support for other topomancers. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of these guides and support, and they get weird. Well, they they choose to pick out a specific example for the Wikipedia article on Tulpas. Oh, great. Oh, the, no. The community has okay. gained popularity when adult fans of My Little Pony... Oh, what? Cre- I didn't know the ponies were involved in this. Ponies are always involved in this. Created, you talked about making imaginary friends you want to fuck on the internet. Adult fans okay. of My Little Pony created forums of tulpas, forums for tulpas of creating characters from the My Little Pony television series. Yeah. Bronies. Yeah. Brony tulpamancers is what I'm talking about right now. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't feel good, actually. I, know exactly I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is a whole different sort of weird that we went down yeah, today. Yeah, didn't, I didn't expect that to happen. I tried to warn mm. everybody. The fans attempted to use meditation and lucid dreaming techniques to create, as you said, imaginary friends. That they can bang. That particular paragraph doesn't mention that. So oh, well. Well, you know it, but I mean... That's what they're trying to do. Let's read between the the uh, the paragraphs there and just be horrified. Surveys by uh, yeah, I can't. It's a French word. Explored this community's demographic, social, and psychological profiles. These individuals, calling themselves tulpamancers, treat the tulpas as a quote real or somewhat real person. I don't like a somewhat real person. That seems like too close to a person, but just not a person enough to be subjugated and banged by someone yeah. who, who willed them into existence. That's a weird thing. Yeah, it's not good. I the, mean, everything... I'm going to say weird a lot, probably, coming up soon here. Yes. So. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the number of active participants in these online communities is in the low hundreds. So, like, it's such a... Like, what a weird... Of all the people on Earth, you call it low hundreds? And very... And, like, few meetings in person have taken place. Thank goodness. Yeah. They belong to, quote, primarily urban, middle-class, Euro-American adolescent and young adult demographics. Yeah. Young white people, adolescent, Euro-American adolescents. And they, quote, they cite loneliness and social anxiety as an incentive to pick up the practice. 93.7% of respondents expressed that their involvement with the creation of tulpas has, quote, made their condition better, quote, and led to new, unusual sensory experiences. Nope, didn't want to. Sorry, I can't take that out of my mouth. I said it. Can't take it out of oh. my mouth. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay. I said it. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. What are they discovering with their tulpas? Man. Hmm. <sighs> 
some They're practitioners debating. what's up yeah D- debating debate oh my god yeah me and my topo went to lover's lane no they didn't you were alone in the car <laughs> and you did some things you should have kept at home <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh no oh, no some practitioners have sexual and romantic interactions with their tulpas. Who would have guessed? Who knew? Mm-hmm. You knew who one would have suspected that. Oh, yeah. yeah not me. I didn't suspect no, that yeah, at you all. Didn't, you didn't call it as soon as they we didn't, didn't say that like, nope. as soon as we started talking about like, yes, this. They're going to have sex with these things. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I mean, we're just two guys talking on the internet. Though the practice, would, the, though the practice is controversial... Who controversial? You're just fucking your tulpa? Nah. What? <laughs> totally socially accepted. I mean, you. Well, I was gonna say, you know, whatever makes you happy, you do you. But that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. Just don't expect me to not call you weird. Yeah, it's trending towards taboo. One survey. And you know what? Because you mentioned the you mentioned the fucking Grand Army of the Republic. When I said taboo, I almost said Nabu, and I was gonna be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Nabu? No, no. It's becoming Nabu. It's becoming Nabu. Oh, wow, that is very controversial. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. What if you're? What if you're? Never mind. I just I don't want to talk about Talpa Gungings. That's not. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> that is one thing I definitely don't want to oh, talk about. Oh no. No one wants to talk about that. One survey. Who's answering these surveys? Who are you giving these surveys to? Found that 8.5% of how many people support a metaphysical explanation of tulpas? Oh, this might just be a survey about tulpas. Again, this is what happens. 76.5% support a neurological or psychological explanation. And 14% quote other other explanations. Mm -hmm. So... Could people's beliefs in Kate Blood, the child-feasting witch, with enough concentration, dedication, and energy focused on her burial site, bring her to life and give her sentience? And if she can come to life, if we are able to bring Kate Blood to life, what other horrors can the human race unleash upon the world? I mean, considering the year we've had, maybe I should just shut the hell up about this and forget I said anything. Never mind. Yeah, maybe. We yeah. we just didn't talk about tulpas and my little I mean, ponies. you did talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse at the beginning of the year and oh my God. look what you did. I was so pissed. <laughs> I read all Bill Gates like essays on a pandemic. I read like three or four of them like we usually do with deep dives. I mentioned mm-hmm. him. I cited an article about that said they didn't even know if it was human transmitted yet. And I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if it was pestilence? What the fuck? No, not a funny not fucking funny yeah. at all way to go nick you fucked us also Just like these bronies are fucking their tulpas <laughs> <laughs> also not cool i also talked about famine and the destruction of the environment how's the west coast doing what the fuck this was beginning of the year <sighs> yeah that was like january it was maybe january early february mm-hmm. well see I also, see what you, see what you what thought form you created? I didn't know I had that power. <laughs> I I could talk about good things. We talk. I mean, I also mentioned war. All right, moving along. <laughs> and there's yeah. four of them. I'm not even gonna say the first, the fourth one's name out loud. No thanks. 
pestilence, famine, war, rainbows. <laughs> rainbows? Rainbow is the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. He just looks pretty. He's animated. He's very animated. He's he's the promise he's, God gave he, that it would... He's a he, star of a certain children's show that adult men like no 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 <laughs> no 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 rainbow dash is not the fourth oh no the the horsemen don't ride ponies <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no on a pale horse he rides and it's a pony i don't know what any of the, my little ponies names are <laughs> well yeah i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna yeah well you mentioned a rainbow. You nailed one, and that we didn't nail one. Guy, that's not good in this conversation. That's not what I meant. That's <laughs> just son of a bitch. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Oh, it's oh my gosh. Everything I want to, everything I say can be misconstrued. <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh, well, yeah. I never mind. I'm thinking about apocalypse ponies. With like little cutie marks. My like... apocalypse ponies. <laughs> <laughs> like a cutie mark is just a skull with like blood coming out of its eyes. <laughs> I mean, war is uh. just like just like a some machine gun or like bullets. Hmm. Pestilence is just like the biohazard symbol. All right, this is well. Anybody wants to get on these? Ad- Never mind. Nobody wants to get on these adult ponies. Everything can be misconstrued sexually now. I can't say anything. Nothing can come out of my mouth. <laughs> It's all terrible. Oh, my God. Well, that's the story of Kate Blood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What a a journey. Is that what you're going to title this one? Yeah, (laughs) Kate Blood. (laughs) Wait, what did you say? Oh, man. So then it just, people just are like, go Kate Blood. Whoa! <laughs> what are they talking about? What happened? Oh, yeah, it's just a little, just a niche little cute cemetery story. No, God, what do they do here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here we have it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There we are. Yeah. If you guys, if you, yeah, if you, if you live in Appleton, if you've been to the Riverside Cemetery. Looks like a beautiful place from all the people who have done little YouTube videos there. I kind of, I, it's on the list of places to go. Got to have a picnic in front of Kate Blood's grave. It has to happen. Yeah. That'd be awesome. But yeah. yeah. And all the social medias, Instagrams, the Facebooks, uh, Patreon. Um, you can listen to Behind the Veil. The conversation continues. I don't know where it's going to go from here, so I look forward to that. I don't know either. Me neither. No idea. But, uh, yeah, guys, think about your thoughts. It's getting to be... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It's getting to be that season where we, uh, where we definitely stay spooky. Oh, we stay spooky. So think about your thought forms and stay spooky. And stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>